Matthew chapter 24 and verse 11 says, And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So if you're saved, are you always saved? Or is it possible to be saved and then be lost? Well, today we're going to answer that question on the Noteworthy Podcast. I am your host, Nathan French. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you for clicking that play button. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to answer that question right here in just a few moments. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to be answering the question, once you're saved, are you always saved? Or is there something or anything that you can do to be lost after you're saved? You know, one of the most debated theological issues of today is the issue of assured salvation. The belief that once you are saved, there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. Now, today on this podcast, I want to look at the biblical view regarding this doctrine. But first, let me explain the view in which this doctrine originated. Perseverance of the saints, as well as the corollary, though distinct doctrine, once known as once saved, always saved, is a Calvinist teaching that asserts that once persons are truly born of God or regenerated, nothing in heaven or earth shall be able to separate them from the love of God. They use Romans 8 verse 39 for this. Sometimes this position is held in conjunction with Reformed Christian confessions of faith in traditional Calvinist doctrine, which argues that all men are dead in trespasses and sin, and thus, apart from being resurrected from spiritual death to spiritual life, none choose salvation of their own accord. Calvinists maintain that God selected certain individuals before the world began and then draws them to faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. They believe that when Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, that Jesus was saying that men had to be drawn to him by God before they would believe. Calvinists have long taught that when the Apostle Paul wrote, God hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world in Ephesians 1 and 4, that The passage is meant to be understood that God actually chooses believers in Christ before the world was founded. According to Calvinism, God begins a good work in some and then continues it. They attempt to prove this with the text from the book of Philippians where the Apostle Paul writes, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There also are many non-Calvinists who also maintain 
that once a person is saved, they can never be lost. Well, what do you think about that? Was that was that a lot for you to take in? Because it was for me. <laughs> so, I want to start my take on this um, from a biblical stance, of course. I would hope everything on this podcast is taken from a biblical stance. But the first statement I want you to hear is that living for God is not a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. Now, if you're listening, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of married couples that listen to this podcast. Now, think with me for a minute. If I were to tell you that marriage is a one-day event and that after that day you can part and your marriage will be fine, would you believe me? No, you wouldn't believe me because you understand that marriage is a relationship. If you were a farmer and I told you just to throw out a seed anywhere, come back a year later and you'll have a beautiful, perfectly aligned corn rows, would you believe me? No, you wouldn't believe me because you understand that in order for there to be growth, it will take the care of the farmer and the condition of the soil will have to be just right. God can unfold a rose, but the rose is exposed and vulnerable. In order for that rose to stay healthy, it takes water, sunlight, and proper care. You understand all these things because life isn't just an event. It's an everyday grind. Marriage isn't just an event. It's a lifestyle. Farming is not just an event. It's a lifestyle. Now, it it is not my desire to tarry on my opinion regarding the doctrine of once saved, always saved. But I do want to be very clear here that I believe that the Calvinist once saved, always saved doctrine is a very dangerous, false doctrine that the enemy uses to bring confusion, hear me, to a sincere and hungry heart. I was baptized in Jesus' name when I was seven years old, and I received the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. I am now 30 years old. I'm going to be 31 next month. I'm getting old, y'all. But I could go out and live in sin, and my soul would be lost. I, I, I could, if I chose to, I could go out and completely ruin my life. I could ruin my marriage. I could be a horrible husband. I could be a terrible father to my children. I I have a free will. I have a choice to go out and ruin my life. And and you want to tell me that because of what happened when I was 7 years old, none of that matters. I can I can go do what I want and God's okay with me like that. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time believing that. And I have a hard time seeing that in the Word of God. Everything that I see in the Word of God says that this is a daily thing. I have to get up every day. My flesh has to die daily, and I have to make a decision every morning, every moment, that I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. And, and Calvinists have taken Scripture and twisted it to fit a carnal, sinful lifestyle that guarantees salvation regardless of what you do. 
And my friends, hear me, you know my heart on this podcast. I would hope you know my heart by now. But brothers and sisters, living for God is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Salvation is not a one-time event. Salvation is an everyday walk with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. Of course, we understand that that when we're baptized in Jesus' name and, and we repent and we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that this is the evidence that, that we're saved. But that's the beginning of the journey, not the end. Acts 2.38 is not the ending. The book of Acts is the beginning of a relationship with God like you could never imagine. Acts was the beginning of the church, not the end. And today, you're standing in the church of Acts. When you repent, that's not the ending. That's the first step. And when you are baptized in Jesus' name, that's not the ending. That's the next step. When you receive the Holy Ghost, that's not the last step of your salvation. It's the beginning of a new life and relationship with Almighty God. And the Spirit of God is living inside of you, leading you and guiding you to make good decisions every day. Okay, so I've given you my opinion, and I know you didn't tune in to hear my opinion, Okay, and I I respect that, and I understand that. So I want to take the doctrine of Calvinism, or the doctrine of, to simplify it, once saved, always saved, right? Which, just to clarify, this means that 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 someone believes that there's nothing they can do to be separated um, from heaven once they're saved. They're, they're going to go to heaven. And I, I want to take that and I want to mirror it with the Word of God. And I, and I want to try to see, I want to put them side by side and, and see what we can come up with here. Um, Calvinism, first of all, Okay, we're, we're going to talk about Calvinism, what they say, and then we're going to talk about what the Bible says directly to that statement. Is that okay? Okay, so Calvinism states uh, that there is a limited atonement. Now, they maintain that God selected certain individuals before the world began and then draws them to faith. Calvinists believe in a limited atonement. This simply means that that they believe that Christ did not die for all men in general, but gave himself only for the elect. Now, I know that this seems rather intense, and, and you may be wondering, Nathan, why are you even talking about this? Are there seriously people that believe this? Well, yes, there are. And even if you don't consider yourself to to be a Calvinist, and, and you don't believe in a limited atonement, there are many emergent Christians today uh, that truly believe that there's nothing they can do to be lost, even if they don't consider themselves uh, to be a Calvinist. So I'm using Calvinism because that's where the doctrine originated. That's where it came from. But a lot of people are living this way, even if they haven't labeled themselves this way. Oh, my goodness. You're, you're living without a label. Oh, my, my goodness. But you're still living in that mindset. And I, I want to help you. I, I want to help you understand a little better of, of what Scripture has to say about this. Okay, so 
They believe in a limited atonement. Let's look at what the Bible says. Scripture does not speak of an elite people that are worthy to obtain salvation. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Whosoever, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible says, And I, if if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Just like Adam and Eve had a choice, you have a choice today. The choice between right and wrong. Do I listen to the devil or do I listen to to what God has told me to do? Do I listen to the creator who made this garden or do I listen to this serpent that's lying to me? Jesus did not limit his atonement for an elect group, but his blood was shed for anyone that would believe in him and follow the plan of salvation. The blood of Jesus reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. Aren't you thankful for that today? I'm so glad it wasn't just for the elite, but I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be a part of the elite. But Jesus died for me. He cared about me. The second thing that Calvinism states is what you do doesn't matter. You know, it's good to do good things and it's good to be holy, but but it doesn't matter. Now, I, I know that all of us Pentecostals are kind of squirming here when we hear this, right? Because we believe in a life of holiness. And Calvinist doctrine argues that all men are dead in trespasses and sins. And thus, apart from being resurrected from spiritual death to spiritual life, none choose salvation of their own accord. Now it is biblical that salvation cannot be obtained through works. We know this. However, the view that is taken here leans towards this mentality. What you do or how you live doesn't matter because you're not saved by your works. The do-whatever-you-want mentality is very commonly used by the enemy because Satan hates holiness. And by the way, what you do does matter. Calvinists use a verse in Isaiah to back up their point. It's in Isaiah 64 and 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. That's a beautiful scripture. I believe that scripture. But I want to speak to it in the context that the Bible meant it. This verse is not used to do away with the importance of righteousness, nor the importance of holiness. Isaiah was not stating that it doesn't matter what you do. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Isaiah was stating that good works cannot save anyone. Right? You can start a homeless shelter, treat people with kindness, and save the whales. But if you haven't followed the plan of salvation, you're still not going to be saved. Good works do not save you. Salvation is not an optional subject. Scripture is clear about salvation. Good works cannot bring you salvation. However, 
what you do matters. If this moment didn't matter, God would not have given you this moment. God knows how to work in a moment and make it matter. Look what the Bible says about this, Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. James 2 and 17 through 20 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now I want to just point this out, a little sneak of preach here. If all it took to go to heaven was to believe, then wouldn't the devils be destined for heaven as well? Because the Bible says that the devils also believe. They believe that there is one God. So if that's all it takes, are, are, are we going to be living in heaven with devils? I don't think so. Verse 18 is the answer to the question, what you do matters. It says, I will show thee my faith by my works. Now listen closely. If you haven't heard anything that I've said yet, listen to me now. I know maybe this was just background noise in your car, and, I, and I'm honored to be a part of that background noise. I really am. But hear me. We don't do good works to get saved, but we do good works because we are saved, and we are a reflection of Him. Our faith has feet, and it leads us to move. I want to do the work of God because He lives in me, and when you get the Holy Ghost, you stop worrying about what you have to do, and you start doing things because you want to do them, and this idea that it doesn't matter what you do, I'm sorry friends, I don't know how to say it nicer, it is a lazy approach to Christianity, and it is a substitute, it is not the real thing. My third and final comparison when it comes to Calvinism versus the Bible is that Calvinism states that once a person is saved, and this is really the answer to the question you've been listening for, is that once a person is saved, they can never be lost. John Calvin took this from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8 and verse 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an amazing scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And this concept that God's love and grace guarantees salvation is very common in our culture. I had to tell somebody, or I, I had somebody tell me recently, forgive me, that they said, I believe that God loves me too much to let me go to hell. And I told her, Let's take a look at what Scripture has to say about that. Because if somebody goes to hell, does that mean that God did not love them? Isn't that a, isn't that a dangerous road to go down with the love of God? I, I mean, God is God. I am not. Who am I to say that? And God loves everyone regardless of their sin. But God hates sin. As children of God, we should hate sin also. We need to be able 
to hate sin while loving the sinner. There is nothing that you can do that would change the love of God. I do believe that. There is nothing you can do to make God retract his love. But the Bible teaches us over and over again that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. The Bible shows us all throughout its teachings that love leads us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's nowhere in the holy text that says that because God loves us that there's nothing we can do to displease him or there's nothing that we can do to be lost. That That's not in the Bible. That is not a biblical teaching. So I have three, and I'm going to call them rhetorical questions for Calvinist or the doctrine of once saved, always saved. And by rhetorical, of course, I mean uh, these questions answer themselves. You, you, you will see the answer right when the question is asked. Number one, if once saved, always saved is true, wouldn't that make the prophet Jeremiah a liar? And why would the term backsliding be in the Bible? In Jeremiah 3 uh, and 22, it says, Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. The very term to backslide is a biblical term. Once you are standing in the right place and the next moment you're not. You have slid back. You have backslid out of the will of God. That means that at one point you were where you were supposed to be and then you were not. Jeremiah believed that you could backslide. The second rhetorical question that I would ask is, why would Paul compare living for God to running a race? Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The point of Paul's comparison was to illustrate that living for God has a starting point and it has a finishing line. The race is set before us. Wouldn't the once saved, always saved doctrine contradict what Paul was trying to tell us? Why, why would there be a finishing line if, if, if you're saved at the starting point? The third question I would ask is, why would Jesus say that only those who endured would be saved? Matthew 24 and 11 says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
Why would we have to have endurance if salvation was guaranteed at the starting line? I think we know the answer to all three of those questions. The reason the once saved, always saved doctrine is so common and popular in our world is because people don't like the vulnerability that comes with being manna-dependent. That means being dependent on God every day. To believe once saved, always saved, is to take away the necessary manna-dependency in your life. And we've got to learn to let go of that, which makes us rely on our own abilities. And any doctrine that makes you less dependent on your walk with God and more confident in your flesh is a false doctrine. Hebrews 3 and 14 says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. In Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he made his famous statement in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Living for God is a daily lifestyle, my friends. It's a daily prayer life. It's daily devotion in His Word. It's daily consecration to holiness and righteousness. Salvation is not simply an event. Salvation is a relationship. And when you limit salvation to a day or a feeling or a moment, you have missed out on the joy of entering into a lifelong relationship. And to me, the most tragic aspect of Calvinism is the missed opportunity of understanding the importance of relationship with God. It's the joy to walk this daily walk with Jesus Christ. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to dive into this rather deep topic today. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray for every listener under the sound of my voice that you would bless them. God, I pray that you would remind them that They need you today, that we need you, that we can't go a day without you. Jesus, we thank you for saving us. Would you help us, Lord, to live holy today? Would you help us to repent today and walk in the beauty of holiness every day? Lord, don't let us walk away or make excuses and and, and for sin in our lives. But Lord, if there's sin in our lives, help us to return to you and renew a pure and holy relationship with you. And we'll give you all the glory, all the praise. Thank you for every listener today. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you'd keep them safe as they drive today, as they go to their schools and their jobs and their churches. Let there be great revival. And we love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you. Thanks for listening to the Noteworthy Podcast. I've had a really good time talking with you today. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Noteworthy. God bless you.